The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. So we're part four of our series about James, and this morning's title is about favoritism. About favoritism. Now, I feel as though we're far enough away from Christmas. Do you remember Christmas? Well, it's only how many... No, I won't even go how many days, shopping days there are until Christmas. We won't go there. But I mean, it's far enough away for us to actually forget about all of the sweets and things that we had. But at Christmas time, when you go into the supermarkets, you go in through the front door, and usually piled up either side are these tins and tubs of sweets. You know the things I mean, like Cadbury's Heroes and Celebrations and Quality Street. You know all of those sorts of sweets that there are around. And I'm sure the one thing is that you have favorites amongst those sweets. Now, look, I found on the internet this picture, which I know that you're not always, you're, not everybody's going to see, so don't worry. There's just all of those sweets are laid out, and the top line actually says the God tier. Now, that's not anything to do with church. That's just represented that this is what people think. These are the best sweets. And I don't know about you, but it actually identifies... That the number one sweet, the most popular sweet, is actually a Malteser. You heard, I heard that muted, you see, that's muted. Because for me, I'm thinking, no way. I have no interest. And this is exactly the issue that I want to put across to you. You see, right down at the very bottom, the fifth tier, there's a toffee finger which comes out of Quality Street, which I will leave. I have no interest. I know it's chocolate covered. But I have no interest in it, and yet some people delight in those. I actually prefer the tubs of Heroes, a bit of a Cadbury's person myself. I like the little bars of Cadbury's milk chocolate that come in it. They're only tiny little bars. I like the Whisper that comes in it. Those that I would go for those, and I'd take them out. But when it comes to the chocolate eclairs, they are left, and I will not eat them. In fact, in our family, no. John, you like them? Oh, you see, you see, this is exactly the tension we have. Now, not only, as you can see, and obviously you have your favorites, and your favorite will be somewhere on this tier, and some of the ones that I don't like, you like, there's favorites. In actual fact, show the next picture, again, just the fact that there's a map of England. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who studies these things. I'm just hoping that some university student isn't being given a special grant to go around the United Kingdom and find this out. But we'll leave that there for the moment, because he probably is. It tells us that if you're living in Yorkshire and the Humber side, then out of Quality Street, the green triangle is the best. That's what they think is the best there. But if you live in Greater London, for Quality Street, the milk chocolate block is the most important. Now, it would appear, therefore, as you go around the nation, there are various favourites, and we've all got their favourites. Out of Quality Street, who loves the purple one? It's a bit muted. It's a bit muted. You've got two hands. Stuart, Stuart doubly loves them. Well, all the point I'm trying to make is this. Listen, every one of us has favorites. 
And the thing is, they don't, it's not equal. We all, as individuals, have choices and we make things. And we say, this is the one that I like the best. No, no, this is the one I like the best. And it's different for all of us. We all have favorites. And this morning, we're going to read a little bit about favorites and favoritism, because that is actually what James is speaking about. So just to help us this morning, we're going to read through this, and this will appear on the screen behind you. James chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. My brothers and sisters, he starts off, believers in our Lord, glorious Lord Jesus Christ, must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring, fine clothes, And a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand here or you sit by my feet. Have you not discriminated amongst yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And if you like, my first point is this. God doesn't show favoritism. God doesn't show favoritism. We might be picking out the green triangle, the purple sweet, the orange, whatever it might be from the tins of sweets. But God isn't like that. He hasn't got a favorite. Everyone is special to him. Can you hear that? Everyone is special to him. James says, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. And he's indicating what God is like. This is what God is like. He doesn't show favoritism. And therefore, because he doesn't, then we mustn't either. But you see, we tend to think, well, no, 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 surely God does show favoritism because after all, there are those sort of goody people. You know, the ones that they're always doing... They always drive on the right side of the law. I have a confession to make. There has been a, I don't know, a burst water main or something in Bromley or just up Mason's Hill because it's all throwing things out. Friday afternoon it happened. Gridlocked. That's the only word I can call. The whole of Bromley was gridlocked. Ethelbert Road, gridlocked. So I had to resort to somewhat of breaking the regulations of the country. Look... They say this, public confession is good for the soul. So I'm just getting this off my chest. I'm announcing it. I actually looked at it like this. I did the people of Bromley a favor by getting out the way, getting another car out the way. 
the fact that I may have driven the wrong way up a one-way street <laughs> and also driven through an area where it said for buses and taxis only, I want you to ignore and I want you to tell nobody else. Uh, that might be that I instructed Helen, who was also panicking, to follow me. <laughs> but we're leaving it there. What I'm saying to you is, you see, I'm just trying to say, look, I'm not necessarily one of those goody-goody people because I've broken the law. But we think, tend to think there are goody-goody people and they're always doing the right thing. They never put a foot wrong. Surely those people, God must favor. Because, oh, look at this. He, they always do right. This person, this McGill person this breaker of the laws of the land, I'm not so sure. And there's a sense in which we make judgments and we make criticisms. But God isn't coming like that. God comes with showing no favor upon any particular person. Everyone is special to him. And I think one of the reasons that is, is because in Colossians it says this, for in him, that is in Jesus Christ, all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers, or authorities, all things, all things have been created through him and for him. And so there's a sense in which God has made everyone, and everyone has come out the same pot, as it were. Everyone is equal before God. Everyone is there and here. All are special to him. He is not showing any particular favoritism to any one of them. We do find it difficult to get hold of, because again, we're thinking of authorities. We're thinking of those people who have authority. In fact, here, James is mentioning the rich and the poor, and we tend to see the rich and the poor, and we think, well, you're nicely dressed. That's nice. That's acceptable. You know, you come in because you've just been working on a building site. That becomes slightly unacceptable, because we want to be kept clean. We want something for ourselves. So there's something between rich and poor, well-dressed, not so well-dressed, that we tend to hold opinions and make judgments. But James mentions in this passage that we've read, the rich and the poor, but he says it's that God has chosen the poor to become rich in faith. And so he's actually saying they have a special position. And all of it seems a bit topsy-turvy as far as we're concerned. James says, God has chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he has promised. God doesn't show favoritism. We are all special in his sight. God doesn't show favoritism and therefore neither should we because we are supposed to be following the ways that God has laid out for us. But James is particularly talking about somebody new to church. Now, I don't know whether you're new to this church this morning. Obviously, we've got visitors who don't usually come. But if this is your first time here, then we want you to be welcome. And we don't want to show any particular favoritism to you above anybody else. We want everybody to be treated the same. But you know, it's difficult as well for us because we recognize that when it comes to somebody new, we don't know them. But those people who we do know, those people who we're familiar with, those people that we have relationships with, those people whom we love, those people whom we trust, those people whom we have respect, we know them more than we know somebody who is completely new. And therefore, it makes us feel that we're more comfortable with them. It almost gives them a head start over the person who is completely new. And then there's the issue as well of authority. The Bible tells us to respect authority. And so there's a sense in which we're supposed to be respecting authority. We're supposed to be caring for those people who we know. How do we put all this together? Well, 
we're not supposed to show favoritism. And one of the reasons we find it difficult is because truly we are affected by appearance, by status, and by financial well-being. Now, we may not say that we're not, but we are affected by those things. Why? And this is an interesting thing. Probably the reason why is because somehow we feel like, what could they help me with? Because you see, if they're looking wealthy, then maybe they could help me out. Maybe they could bestow gifts on me. If they've got authority and position, maybe they could help my position. Maybe they could help promote me. Maybe they could add to my life. And so subconsciously, not necessarily that we go around actually thinking this, but there's usually something in our minds that's saying like, wow, this person has benefit. Oh, hang on, this scruffy builder, I don't think I need anything to do with them. This person whose clothes are falling apart, they can't help me. They're going to take me down. So therefore, there's a sense in which we judge and we react against those people. The Bible says, though, we shouldn't be looking to take things. We should be looking to give. It says it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And indeed, Jesus himself spoke upon something like this when he says in Luke 16, verse 15, he says, what is highly valued among men is detestable in God's sight. And this is one of those things. You see, what do we, we do value, actually, wealth. We do value people with authority. We do value people who can actually have status. We do value that because, yes, it could help us. And so, therefore, we value it. And that's what the world values. Listen, if you've got a good education, if you've got a good car, if you've got a good home, well, look at how well they're doing. Look at that. That's something that we value. But Jesus says... This is what God's perspective is. What is highly valued among men is detestable. Because you see, God can see that as we're valuing, as we're putting things on different levels, as we're making statements and adjustments, as we're elevating some over the other, hey, you, oh, wow, you're such an important job. You're such an important person. You're so wealthy. Come and sit down the front. Come and have a seat right down here next to Pastor William. You see, suddenly you're showing favoritism over one than another. But in the house of God, everyone has been created by him and for him. Everyone has a purpose. Everyone is valued before God. Everyone has a place and a role to play. That is what God's perspective is. He says that men are equally created. Each soul is therefore equally valuable. And no person should be judged by their appearance, their status, or their wealth, whether it be high or low, whether they look rich or poor, whether they look shabby or well-dressed. Do not show favoritism. In verse 8, James says, If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. This is the right way to act. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever breaks the law, for whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. This is challenging. It's challenging because really it's affecting the way that we think, or I'm talking about the way we think. 
Because our mindsets are guided by what the world thinks. But the Bible here is saying, like, I don't want you just to think like everybody else thinks. I want you to think like I want you to think. I want you to act like I want you to act. And so James is writing in this letter what he is saying, this is how God wants you to act. I want you to act without favoritism. Now, a question that can arise is this. Well, actually, if we show no favoritism, if we're really honoring everybody the same, there is a sense in which sometimes we could be caught out. Sometimes people could take advantage of us. Those who have nothing come in and say, like, wow, these guys are going to treat me favorably. I'm going on down there. I'm going to look for what they can give me. There's a sense, hey, can't you be taken advantage of? Yes, you could be. But what's more important? Us worrying about whether we're being taken advantage of or us doing what God has asked us to do. And that's something that we've got to think through. Now, of course, there's things about boundaries, and I understand that. And today, we haven't necessarily got the time to look into everything about establishing boundaries and being sensible. But I just want to leave you with this. Do you remember, or perhaps you don't, but I'll tell you a story that appears in John, John's Gospel, chapter 8. This is a story of Jesus, and he has come into a market square, if you like, and suddenly the Pharisees have rushed before him a woman who was caught in the act of adultery. And in those days, as far as the Jews were concerned, you're caught in adultery, there is a just punishment in the law for that. You're going to be stoned. Now, they not only have the right to do this, here, we've caught this person. They are wrong. They've been caught in the wrong. She is an adulterer. The price for this is that she'll be stoned. And now it gives them an opportunity to say to Jesus, Jesus, what are you going to do about this? And you can imagine they're sitting there like, (laughs) we've nailed him. Right, so what's Jesus going to do? Is he going to stone her? Now, it appears in Scripture that things went silent. Jesus was looking around. In fact, Jesus bent down and started to write in the sand or in the soil that was there. We don't know what he wrote, but he wrote some things. And after a while, he stood up and he said, Let him who is without sin throw the first stone. And what happened was, after a while, a period of awkwardness, a period of people seeing what Jesus was writing in the sand. And obviously some people think he was writing various sins and reminding people about various things that they might have done. So they were thinking like, oh yeah, we don't know what he wrote. We just know what happened, that everyone left there. And Jesus is left with the woman standing in front of him. Now, Jesus says to her, where are your accusers? Well, they've all gone. So he tells her that she can go, but to go and sin no more. Now, I read that story and I think to myself, wasn't Jesus taking a risk there? I mean, she had already been caught in adultery. Perhaps this was her lifestyle. Perhaps this was the way. And actually, you know what? Five minutes after this, or certainly a week later, she could have returned to that lifestyle the one that she'd been caught for, the one that she'd nearly been stoned for. She could have returned to that. Wasn't that a risk for Jesus? But you see, he showed that mercy triumphs over justice, over judgment. And whilst everybody wants to judge and we want to throw things in, yes, so people could come in here and if we treat everybody fairly and we don't show favoritism, somebody could get something from us. Somebody could make us look stupid. We might have given them something and then wish we hadn't have done No, listen, 
Mercy, James says, triumphs over judgment. And as a church, we want to show what God shows to us. That is excessive mercy. We get what we don't deserve. And he wants us to get what we don't deserve because God wants to lavish his love upon us. And he wants us to walk in his ways. He wants us to act in that way. James 2 verses 12 and 13. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. In other words, actually you hear what God is asking us to do. Right, act as those who are going to be judged if you don't do what he's asked you to do. Act like that. Walk that out in your lives. But then he goes on to say, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. But mercy triumphs over judgment. Yes, sure. If we hold everybody and show no favoritism, treating people equally, there are going to be situations where we may be taken advantage of. We may be made to look foolish. But you know what? That's honoring God and walking in his ways. And that's what we've been called to do. And we know, and I think back at that woman, I don't know whether she went back to that lifestyle. I don't know whether her life was changed. I can surmise it, but this I know, that when you know you have received mercy, it makes you live differently. And it changes your heart. Whenever you encounter mercy or love or the grace of God upon your life, it causes you to think differently and to be different. That's why we love the presence of God. Because when his presence comes over our lives and we realize who we are before him, we are not rejected, but we're drawn towards him. Even though we have sinned, he still wants to embrace us and to bring him to himself. And that feeling, that sense of overwhelming love and acceptance affects our lives for good. And it's the way that he wants us to live. So that our lives can affect other people's lives for good as well. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.